What God has done in redemption is he is making God's people in God's place, under God's rule, in God's holy and loving presence. Hello again, welcome back to Roots and Branches, a podcast ministry of New Life Evangelical Free Church. And actually, Roots and Branches is also a ministry campaign, our vision to expand the facilities and the ministries to learn or disciple by doing. This is Paul Arnerberg, your podcast host with Pastor Brent Compelin and our sound engineer, Paul Cravens. We are glad to be in full swing of 2023, putting our hope in the Lord, not into people, because we are desperate for him to guide our lives, to live by his will, and to be in his word. So my uh, New Year's plug, this is our second podcast of the New Year, episode seven, if you keep me score at home. Uh, my plug for the New Year is to be in your Bible. I have a quick personal note. Uh, late in 2023, I was at Costco, and I happened to strike up a conversation with one of the clerks. And the clerk happened to say, I, I mentioned, I'm on a podcast. So she's, oh, what's the podcast? So I gave her the Roots and Branches website and, and the church website. Yep. And she said this phrase. She said, I'm really thirsty. And she directly was talking about thirsty for God's word. So I said, I'll tell you what. I have a bunch of Bibles at my house. I've led a bunch of my jugheads through boys' Bible studies and juggling Bible camps. And finally, this week, as we record this, this week I brought her a large print ESV uh, study Bible, or just Bible, along with a reading plan. And she said the phrase again. This is like a month later. She said, I am so thirsty. I said, well, I am glad. And I gave her the plan. I said, this plan will help you to systematically read uh, a section of the Bible every day of the week. Uh, what I didn't tell her, I did say, please don't feel pressured to be immersed in this in terms of like getting six chapters a day in. By the way, if you read about four chapters a day, you'll get through the Bible in a year. But that little risk of, of venturing to uh, have a conversation with a clerk at a wholesale club that turned into a gifted Bible, which to me cost like $3, uh, but for her to respond with the phrase, I am thirsty. So I commission all of you or commend all of you listening, uh, whether you are a New Life member or regular attender or our, our larger audience, be in God's word. A chapter a day, okay, you'll get through the Bible in four years, but consistency trumps immersion that might just be rote reading, but you need to be consistent just like you're eating right, just like you're exercising, and as we'll hear in episode eight, just like you're praying corporately with your brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm going to kick it over to Pastor Brent now and ask him, Brent, uh, please give us a summary, a 30,000-foot view of where we've been for the first six episodes in Roots and Branches. Definitely. And I also will commend the same to be immersed in God's word. And what's been fun in our podcast thus far is we started at the beginning, Genesis chapter one, and we've been working our way through the first three chapters or so. And then we kind of skipped to the end and we told some of the story about the new creation and then and and redemption. Um, but we're going to in these next episodes kind of go back to the early chapters of the Bible and work through now that we've described God's creation being ordered and beautiful and created out of nothing by a sovereign God who existed before all things and is powerful over all, and that he made us to bear his image. We are designed and created to bring him glory in all that we do. And we saw in our last episodes about how uh, sin enters through uh, the rebellion and turning away from God and, and, and making an idol out of ourselves and out of this world. And, uh, and as sin enters, the curse comes and, and everything kind of gets turned upside down. But uh, of course, we see God's redemption plan throughout the scriptures and Jesus coming to die in our place 
and then to rise from the dead and create a new way for us to be made new creations from the inside out, our hearts transformed as we're born again. And then our future hope in the new heavens and new earth as our bodies are redeemed and resurrection bodies. And then the eternity with God in his presence in heaven. Um, the beautiful picture of the scriptures is to restore and transform all of what God has made to be in line with him and his ways and his truth and to reflect his glory. Amen. And what we're going to come back to now is a deeper dive into those redemptive promises early on in the Bible so that we can get a better picture of what needs to transform in my life. Like, how do I come into alignment with God and his ways? That's, so that's what we're going to do today. Um, we're going to do a deeper dive on redemption and talk about especially the covenant promises to the patriarchs. So for those of you who are reading the Bible this year, maybe you said, oh, I do want to read the Bible um, uh, in 2023 uh, throughout this year. You're probably in those early chapters of Genesis right now. And so hopefully this is very helpful to mm -hmm. put some context for you. Yes. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to dive a little into... Um, three different concepts from those early chapters of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, and talk about three specific things, which is the people of God, the presence of God, and the place of God, and how those things define um, how God is, is uh, his redemptive plan that we see kind of sown throughout all of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to do first is look at people of God, which is really dominant in Genesis especially chapter 12. Mm -hmm. um, so, Paul, I know you know about those early chapters of Genesis. Yes. Um, tell us about what happens in chapter 12 when it comes to Abraham. Like, what does God say to Abraham, and, and, and how does that story kind of unfold? He says, move from the land of Ur to the land of Canaan, the promised land. I think he was 75 years old, so he's not a spring chicken. Yep. And we consider that definitely elderly. Even Moses in Psalm 90 said, we're given 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. So he was an old guy. Now, granted, the patriarchs lived quite long. I, lived, I think he lived to be 175. Nonetheless, it was still old. Even by biblical accounts, he was old. Yeah. Therefore, on a leap of faith to leave his land with his wife, Sarah, uh, and then also being promised he will make a great nation of Abraham, that was a double step of faith just to get out kind of like we we're talking about the hobbit and pre-recording bilbo <laughs> at 50 to do anything adventurous was wow i i don't want to even forget my handkerchief let alone leave my hobbit hole well you're 75 in the middle east in ancient mesopotamia why would you leave what is it a thousand miles away to go south west to uh, Canaan. And so that's that's an amazing leap that we might overlook, just the fact to relocate, let alone be promised to have kids when you've been barren with your wife for however many years they were married at that point. Yeah. It, it, the, one of the amazing things about the promise to Abraham is how God like plucks him out of where he was and places him where he wants him to be and promises, I'm going to give you the promised land. I'm going to give you the, the, the uh, make a people out of yes. your descendants mm -hmm. and my presence is going to be with you. And he just, he, he, it's like a gift of grace. Yes. It's like he, it doesn't necessarily say um, that he was so special or anything like that. It does say that he believed God. Yes. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Credited. That, that he trusted God. When God said, I'm going to promise these things to you, he said, okay. Yes. <laughs> it's like that simple act of trust. But what's an emphasis there is God's sovereign election, his much more than us choosing him, he chooses us. Mm -hmm. That there's this sense of God uh, coming to bring his redemption as a gift as he seeks uh, the lost and comes to bring uh, about his purposes and his promises through his people. Mm -hmm. So the first emphasis we're going to have here is the 
God's sovereignty informing a people. Mm -hmm. And the application here is for us to remember is that the Christian faith is a team sport. (laughs) Just fast forward all the way through the Bible. Constantly, the Bible talks about God forming a people. They will be my people. I will be their God. We are a part of a community of faith. And God's plan of redemption is to bring about a new people of God through Jesus as the head of his body, the church. Mm -hmm. And um, so what strikes you about that, Paul, in terms of the importance of the Christian faith being about being a part of a family or a community or being a team sport? Well, I'm ever (laughs) ready with a cultural reference. So what I thought about, and I didn't tell you this earlier, but in The Incredibles, it's interesting, the villain syndrome lives on Nomanizan Island which is No Man Is an Island. And uh, I think there's also a song from the 60s by Simon and Garfunkel, I am a rock, I am an island, I don't need anybody. And so it doesn't matter. Even our, in a rugged individualism subculture in America, actually it's a dominant culture, and the fact that in COVID, we were all forced to be locked down and isolated, and now we think that 3,000 friends on Facebook is a community. It's not. Yeah. It doesn't create any intimacy accidentally. you got to be intentional. So... Absolutely. Uh, Christianity is both and. It's an individual salvation and it's a collective uh, growth together because our ultimate goal is is to be married with Jesus forever on the new earth. Um, and we, we need to grow together as well as grow individually. We cannot forsake one for the other. Yep. Yeah, I've heard it said uh, that the Christian faith is is individual, but it's not private. Or mm, it's individual, point. but it's not individualistic. Yes. And that it's not, it is about me and my relationship with the Lord, but I can never pull that away from the reality that I'm a part of a fabric, mm-hmm. a relational fabric, a family, a people that God is calling to to be his representatives now as we are witnesses of the gospel, but then his people forevermore in the new yes. heavens and the new earth. It's just a beautiful thing. But that ties all the way back here to the early chapters of Genesis. Mm-hmm. Genesis 12, the first promise or main promise of redemption is that I'm going to form a people. Yes. I'm going to form a people. And I love that. So the second thing we're going to talk about is the presence of God. And if you're you know following along at home in your Bible and you want to just kind of skim through, um, this is really emphasized in Exodus and Leviticus. Because the emphasis here is on God's sovereign power to redeem and reveal his ways. And so some of us have wondered, you know, as a believer, now that, you know, as you're a Christian, what's, does the book of Leviticus matter? Mm, yeah. <laughs> if you've ever read the book of Leviticus or numbers even, you yes. get into a point where, um, you know, it's maybe February or March and you've been reading the Bible for a couple months in your Bible reading plan and you get bogged down with oh, all these laws. Why do they matter? Yes. And there's something about how early on as God is revealing who he is and what he desires of his people, he's revealing um, what it means to be in a relationship with him, what it means to know him, to know his ways and what he desires. And, you know, yes, there's things that were required of theocratic Israel and the ancient, you know, Israelites that, that aren't necessarily applicable to us. There's lots that is, but, um, but what God promises in that moment, especially in in like the story of the Exodus, is um, I just I always think of the refrain at the Exodus that God told Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, "Let my people go." 
wait, that's not it. That's, that's not right. all of it, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> every single time yep. you read, go ahead and check out your Bible. Every single time that God says, or that, that God tells Moses to say, let my people go, it always finishes with the phrase, so that they may worship me. So that. There's always Every a so word that. counts. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so a lot of times we like listen to the story and we go, oh, let my people go. And we stop there. And mm-hmm. it's like, wait a second. The whole point is that they would come out of bondage into a life of worship. Mm-hmm. And, oh, okay, being with God reflecting his glory and worshiping him. That's the emphasis mm-hmm. of that story. That's one of the things that the Prince of Egypt gets wrong, even though you and I really appreciate that movie. In fact, yes. it's my favorite animated movie, more than Incredibles. Uh, you do not hear that addendum, which is not an addendum, it's the second half. The, so that they may worship me in the wilderness. Yes. And you mentioned Leviticus is hard to read. I will admit that too. As I've read through the Bible yearly for the last decade or so, uh, that is a really challenging book to get through. But I'll tell you what, Wendy, my wife, has an insight into that. When she reads through all the sacrifices and all the blood that has to be uh, getting atoning our sins to be right with God to get the presence of God she says we have compassion for our cat named Chip can you imagine how hard it would be to put to death an animal you've grown close to and then that is how seriously God takes our sin so if you can just see try to personify in the blood in the sacrifice of those thousands and thousands of animals in Leviticus that's a consequence of our sin and God loves us so much he wants to redeem us for that, you can see Jesus the Christ in Leviticus. So I please read through it, even if it takes a long time. And even if you don't understand it, I believe the Holy Spirit will impress upon you the gravity of what we're dealing with and the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes. And if and if you feel so inclined, read the book of Hebrews oh, in yes. parallel love with the book Hebrews. of Leviticus. That's the, that's the Leviticus of the New Testament. I <laughs> yeah. love that book. Because you know what, friends? Jesus is our high priest. Yes. And by his blood, wants for all atonement has been made for that's sin. That's right, yes. And that is, that's the beauty of the gospel. Yes. And it, it just, it goes to show, again, like you said, the gravity of our sin, but also the enormity of Jesus' redemption that he has done for us in order to establish relationship. And this is why I want to yes. get back to, that's right. is that it's about the presence of God, that it's, the Christian faith is about relationship with God, mm-hmm. that we have now the spirit of God dwelling mm-hmm. in us, that because Jesus has redeemed us once for all by his blood, that we now, having been sanctified, washed clean, purified, and we're continuing to be sanctified as we grow closer to Jesus and are more like him, but we now become temples of God himself by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us, and we are now a temple of his presence. Wow. And that's repeated often in the New Testament. I think of Corinthians as well. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit yeah. and we're our bodies a temple. Therefore, do not defile ourselves with immorality yes. or with even even bad stewardship. Even I would say with nutrition and exercise, we need to be good stewards because the Holy Spirit lives in us and he's a deposit guaranteeing our new body and the new earth. Yes. Ephesians 1. Yes. Yes. So we've got people of God dominant in Genesis 12 to 20. Then if you go to Exodus and Leviticus, it's about the presence of God and the Mm -hmm. promise of redemption and revealing his ways and being with him and worshiping him. And then the last is the place of God or being in God's place. And this is really dominant in Numbers and Deuteronomy. Numbers is the Israelites are wandering the wilderness, but also Deuteronomy as Moses gives his farewell speech Mm -hmm. before they enter the promised land. The emphasis in these books is on God's sovereign plan to establish his rule and restore his creation, like to work through his people as he gives them his presence, but he needs to put them into a context within which they can exercise obedience. Yes. Like we don't live in the ether. Yes. Um, 
I, I just heard recently a, a, an illustration of this. Um, someone was talking about how um, what it's like to to kind of live in the world that we live in, um, the things that form and shape us. And they said you wouldn't have a child like launch them out into space and have them grow in like zero gravity yeah, out that's in space. Right. Like they would grow deformed because that's right. We're like intended to grow and live in mm. like the gravity and the environment of of Earth. Yeah, that's what your body's designed for. Mm-hmm. So they said uh, this particular illustration was saying, well, that's kind of what we've done <laughs> relationally or socially on the internet. Is yes. you sort of launch young people into uh, a world that they weren't designed for, a digital life, and the virtual reality actually will malform you rather than real reality of like flesh and blood and tangible face-to-face, yes. which forms you as a creature, as an image bearer of God. And so take that illustration and say, if you are God's people and you have his presence and revealed his ways, he puts you in a context or a place so that you can exercise devotion and love and obedience to him in real ways with real people in a real place. Yes. That's the emphasis of that. I got to jump in with one more cross-reference yep. culturally. Wendy and I recently rewatched Wally. I know Disney's in the oh, doghouse worldview-wise, uh, and I, I don't blame anyone for, for criticizing Disney for some recent things, but Wally was made about a decade ago. I believe Andrew Stanton, the director and writer, is a Christian, and it's a wonderful treatise on modern life. First of all, people are addicted to their screens. Second of all, they're floating around in a spaceship. Third of all, they're morbidly obese because they don't even get out of their chairs and they drink their fluid all the time. And then there's a great scene toward the end of the movie. If you've not seen it, it's not the climax. I'm not doing a spoiler. But when this guy gets out of his <laughs> chair and then it's the 2001 theme, ba, 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 da. when he gets out of his chair and he walks and he's actually exercising his bone density, yeah. that's a wonderful animated depiction of our design by God to be active, to be personal. Oh, and also when he touches the hand of a fellow passenger, that was like a moment where they don't touch each other in that Wally uh, culture. So anyway, yeah. I, I, I don't mean to say I'm addicted to pop culture, but I will say <laughs> often movies identify for me the biblical truths I read every day, yep. and that is a good way for us to remember, do not live by the screen alone. Do not <laughs> live by the sloth alone. We're not meant to binge watch and social media. We're meant to be real with people in the real world and not merely in fantasy land, and that goes for me too. I can't just do the movies. i got to be with people in my life. Yeah, and we talked about in previous episodes about being stewards of creation, his God's image bearers doing all things for his glory. Amen. And about how there's an integration of us being embodied souls, but also like in sold bodies. Yes, that's right. Yep. <laughs> um, that that we it's it's not that one against the other. Nope. God wants our entire being mm-hmm. uh, to be in line with his ways, but he puts us in specific contexts within which to be obedient. And so the application here for us is The Christian faith is about coming to alignment with God's ways, and we have his truth, but we're placed in his creation to steward all things for his glory. So think about those contexts that God has placed you in. Mm -hmm. He's given you certain people that you know, uh, a place that you live, you know, think about your home or your apartment or your neighborhood or your, the family that you're placed in, the sovereign way that he has put you in a specific place. Uh, the job you have, the kids you're raising, the the grandparents you're taking care of, the, whatever uh, context you're in, the place of God, it's an emphasis on the fact that he wants to put you in an environment, in a place, in a context where he's going to challenge you to say, 
put your money where your mouth is and walking in my ways. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> as it were, to learn obedience. And Jesus himself learned obedience according to Hebrews. And so everything we're put into is an exercise of obedience, but also growth. And I would add that yep. even our hobbies, somehow, I believe, were sovereignly uh, ordained. Like you're a big baseball player, or at least you were. Yep. And now you might play recreationally. Yeah, I'm and, retired now. Yeah, I'm fine, you're retired. <laughs> but nonetheless, we all have a... a, a innumerable experiences, contacts, and interests that somebody influenced us to do, and God can and should and does use all of those for his glory, especially when we're open to his will in that and not to leave anything off the table, whether it's a passion, whether it's a hobby, an interest, or even a, a Pixar movie reference in my point. Yep, <laughs> yep. Well, and what's another feature of this that just strikes me that I want to make sure it gets mentioned here is God often uses difficulties. He actually mostly uses difficulties to shape who we are. Mm. I'll say it that way. Yes. Even in the sense of um, that passage you referenced from Hebrews. Yes. The full passage is that son though he was, Jesus learned obedience by what he suffered. Yes, that's true. Mm -hmm. And it's a description of how our Savior, like Jesus himself, walked in obedience to the Father, in opposition, like in the face of persecution, in the face of suffering to the point of death. Yes. And so, okay, um, if you want to be like the master, mm -hmm. uh, the student is not above the master. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and so there's a lot of ways that you can even look at the Israelites entering the promised land. They didn't enter a land that was vacant. Mm -hmm. They entered yeah. a land that had the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the whatever other Amalekites right? <laughs> and Amorites and Jebusites. Yeah. And so God says, uh, I'm going to send you into this land. And it's, it is not an accident that as they cross the Jordan river, that the presence of God in the ark goes ahead of them yes. into the river as they cross. But then the, the ark always goes in front of mm -hmm. the people. And it's a symbol of God's presence is always in front. He's fighting the battles you need to trust, mm -hmm. but they go into a land that is going to be challenging. There's people there that are going to oppose. There's um, even the, 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 ge the geology of that place or the environment of that place. I visited Israel t 11 years ago, uh, 12 years ago, and what I learned there is that it's a very uh, drought-prone, um, arid, uh, very difficult, rocky, hilly place. Yes. Like it's not an easy place to live, yeah. but it required full trust in God to provide. Wow. And so God put them there on purpose because yes. he didn't put them in a lush environment um, where it was super easy. He said, I'm going to put you in a place where you have to trust me day by day to mm -hmm. provide for you. Mm -hmm. So even just in the biblical story, obedience or walking in God's way, the place that he will put you, remember God's people, God's presence, God's place, the place that he will put you in this life is he's teaching you to come into alignment with Christ likeness will often be difficulty. That's right. You look at <laughs> King David too. I'll give a plug for daily Bible reading. I happen to be in Psalms three through five today. And David was fleeing from his son Absalom in the context of Psalm three. And then even four and five in all three of those Psalms, that little triad there, uh, he cried out to the Lord. He called on the Lord and he said, because of my enemies. And now tragically his son was his enemy because he tried to kill him and usurp his throne. And so we, and, and the point about bringing up David is even though I see him as the idyllic King prior to Christ, his life was not easy and to your point, Brent, he needed to cry out to the Lord in his suffering, and that's how he grew in, the, uh, in, the, in his faith and his obedience to the Lord, not through just the prosperity of being king in Jerusalem for 33 years and yes. seven in Hebron before that. Yes, and many of you have heard this. One of my favorite quotes is a Charles Spurgeon 
said, everything I've learned in times of ease, I can fit in a thimble. Wow. Okay, that's good. That's a good visual. Yeah. Especially for the sowers so, out there. Yes. <laughs> so comfort actually produces a lack of maturity. Mm-hmm. And we, boy, we live in a culture and a time period where we, many of us, are very, at least globally speaking, like incredibly affluent. Yes. And have lots of our needs very easily, uh, tangibly met. Mm-hmm. Now, some of us do have difficulty. I do want to acknowledge that. Some of us are dealing with financial issues or uh, hardships, health issues. Mm-hmm. That's that's absolutely true. Um, but embrace the reality that it's no accident when God puts a challenge in front of you because it's a test in a way of an opportunity to walk in obedience and greater trust. And yes. it will sharpen, uh, I've, I've said um, refining takes fire. <laughs> yes. So. Sharpening is creates sparks. <laughs> yes. You want to be refined to have your heart, like to be pure uh, before the Lord. He's going to refine you through fire. And that's really the way that he shapes us. So, let me. Uh, we could go on and on, on yeah. about that, I'm sure, Paul. But let me uh, let me summarize what we've been talking about today in this way. We've been talking about people and presence and place. But uh, there's a, a sentence that I've learned from a professor named Graham Goldsworthy, Dr. Graham Goldsworthy, and then a uh, professor of mine personally, Dr. Graham Cole, who kind of um, pieced this together from two of them. Uh, and, and maybe you can write this down or listen to this again and, and just ponder this sentence. What God has done in redemption is he is making God's people in God's place, under God's rule, in God's holy and loving presence. Hmm. Like the pattern of the scriptures, starting in the Pentateuch and going through the patterns of the scriptures, is God's people in God's place, under God's rule, in God's holy and loving presence. And that's what he did with Israel. Now there's lots of failure there. And obviously the Messiah comes through Jesus. He makes a way through the new creation for us to embody this perfectly in the new heavens and new earth. And so the redemptive plan of God is him creating that people in his place under his rule with his presence. And it's yes. just so beautiful. That's what we're saved for. Yes, I love the alliteration, the people, the presence, and the place, and then that's all tied together with the promise of God. You mentioned the Ark of the Covenant going yes. across the River Jordan when the Israelites took conquest of Canaan, and the promise of God is synonymous with the covenant of God, and that's what we can rest on, his promises to become the people of God, to get to the place of God, and above all, to be enjoying the presence of God both now and for eternity. Well, we have a special guest here with us now, uh, Kaya Anderson, who has grown up here at New Life, uh, is a member here, and um, is also on staff as a ministry assistant and works part-time here. So it's been wonderful to have you doing that this last year. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, um, as we've been talking about God's people with God's presence and God's place, mm-hmm. is what is it like growing up? here at New Life, and so many people in our church are relatively new, you know, in yep. the last couple of years. Um, tell us about your history at the church and what it's like to grow up um, within the people of God here. Yeah, so it is definitely a big part of my testimony and um, forming relationships with people who are very similar ages to my parents. And so um, them just really caring about me and um, talking to me and talking Um, about their experiences and how they lived when they were younger and just really investing in my life and showing me the love of Christ Mm -hmm. on a very personal level 
was really transformative in my walk with Christ. And, um, you know, having my parents have friends in the church and hang out with them and just spend time together, go camping and just create a small community and, um, you know, meeting my husband Mm -hmm. and growing up with him. And now both of us serving the people of this church and kind of giving back in that way is something that not a lot of people have. But I am so grateful that I am one of the people that is able to enjoy that. Yeah. I I love how in the people of God, in the, in the, in a church community, in a church family, Mm -hmm. one of the most important things we can do is model the Christian life to each other, multi-generationally, because that goes all directions, but some, but often it's for the next generation, the next generation seeing, um, others ahead of them in life in various stages, going through joys and challenges, um, being able to interact and watch what it's like to live faithfully, to, to, to go through those struggles and to come closer to the Lord. Um, the modeling of the Christian faith is very formational. Yes. And seeing that in people's lives, not just seeing them at church and only at church, but Mm. seeing them and going to their houses and having them prepare a meal and just see them, how they communicate with their family members and their children and really thinking to myself, that's really what I want to do for my children or, Hmm, that's interesting. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So seeing both sides of people, the church side and the family side is really really transformative and really great. And you can learn a lot about, um, God's people in that way. Yes. I had a similar experience to you where I grew up. Um, I, I had moved when I was in first grade. Uh, but once we kind of settled down at around age seven in the church that my dad was pastoring and we were attending, um, I got deeply plugged in with the relationships there and still consider many people at that church that I grew up in from elementary school through, uh, college to be, uh, you know, not only deep friendships, but really like family. And one of the reasons why is because my family went through a crisis in the middle of that. Like we went through some major difficulty where my, my twin brother had bone cancer when we were kids. And I just saw the church do what the church should do. Like we, the people came around us in such powerful ways, um, come over to clean our house, they brought us meals. They picked me up from school. Like it was like the church family. It was like all these adopted aunts and uncles and grandparents that I still uh, have some connections with, and it's just wonderful. Even though I've you know moved on many years ago, um, so I you know I can see uh, how much it's shaped me. I can see how much it's shaped you. Mm-hmm. Just being able to be a part of a community of faith. Uh, something we talked about earlier is that you know the Christian faith is individual, but it's not individualistic. It's uh, yeah. it's, it's about you and your relationship with God, but you do that in a community. So talk about, you know, some of the various things you've been in, involved in, in the church that have helped you to walk alongside people. Yeah. So, um, I have been a, one of the teachers for kids ministry mm-hmm. and I, love just seeing them on a Sunday and asking questions and getting Mm -hmm. curious. But then also, obviously, since I was here in high school, it's a very common thing to do babysitting for families. And so also being able to live that out in 
their homes and be able to spend time with them and sit and pray with them. And if they have questions, then try and answer them to the best of my abilities or point them to their parents. And so they can ask questions. Um, But also seeing them ask their parents tough questions and Mm -hmm. seeing how they answer them. Yeah. And um, just really seeing how um, the spirit is able to move through people. is really cool. Yep. Yeah, and another thing that's unique for you and also for your husband, Josh, is you both, having grown up here, you went through the youth group and now you're serving in the youth group as leaders. Yep. And especially for you and your staff role, you get to provide a lot of uh, organization and leadership and and coordinating things for that ministry. But being a part of the Bible studies with the boys and with the girls, for the two of you, um, allows for an opportunity to invest in those teenagers remembering what it was like at that stage of life to have questions about your faith or yep. to seek the Lord. Yep. And remembering, I remember how important for, um, all, all of the female leaders who were doing youth group when I was in there all took time to invite me over to their house or mm. take me out to dinner or just really talk about how I'm doing and give me godly wisdom about how to live through that even if times are hard and not to just sit in anger about something yes yeah so that's something (laughs) that i'm really looking forward to be able to do for the students that are in the youth group now and um just show them the love of christ that he has for them and invest my time in them great okay so one other thing i wanted to ask you because not only you work part-time here, um, you've been deeply invested in this church family, but you're also working um, some hours during the week at a coffee shop in River Falls. Yes. And so talk to me about like what it's like to go into the workplace to bring, you know, that, that real vibrant faith that's been modeled to you. Um, and you have the presence of God with you by the spirit and you go into an environment where you're meeting, you're interacting with people who aren't believers a lot of time and you're, you're in that place. So tell me about that coffee shop and what it's like working there. Yeah. So it's, I love it. Mm-hmm. I was made for this job. Um, <laughs> and so it's a Christian coffee shop. And so that, um, it brings in a certain demographic to begin with, but then also people who just come in there. It's, I love talking to my regulars and really getting to know about their lives and about their families Mm. and about who they are as a person. And the majority of the people that come in on a daily basis, I, I know their name. I know, um, a little bit about their family and I'm really just able to show them that I care about them and that Mm. God cares about them. And, grow relationships and make connections with people that if I worked at Starbucks, I wouldn't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and being in a small local coffee shop, it really gives you a unique opportunity to invest yep. your time wiser into people's lives. Yep. Yeah. It's like you've taken that value of community mm-hmm. and brought that into your work there yep. and really seeing that coffee shop as a way of bringing the presence of Jesus through a business yes, into the downtown area of River Falls. Yeah. It's really fun to watch. And I've been there to visit and it's like so fun. I take my, uh, you know, take my family. We've, we've come to visit you at the coffee shop yep. and it's fun to see the smile on your face as you're doing your work, yep. but also, uh, just experience what that kind of community building place is like. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's fun. Uh, have you, um, what's it like, um, serving, 
you know, people who come in and having conversations with them, you know, you, cause you probably have all kinds of conversations. Oh yeah. It, yeah. it really, really ranges, um, for the conversations. Some of them tell me about their family that's going through a hard time or how they've just lost a loved one and how hard it is for them to plan the funeral. Mm. And I'm able to just sit down and listen because they need a place to vent yep. or I'm able to talk about how they just had this crazy weekend (laughs) and had so much fun with their friends. Um, But I really think it's valuable for me to sit and listen to them Mm -hmm. and um, just to be there um, because maybe they don't have friends that they can talk to or family that they can talk to that will just simply listen to them. And so I, I really love um, showing them how valuable community is, like you said. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And what we've been talking about in this episode is God's people with God's presence in God's place, that he puts us into contexts where he calls us to to live consistently with what we say we want to believe. And, Mm -hmm. you know, going and working week by week in a coffee shop where you're interacting with people is a way to bring the presence of God to um, to that downtown area. Like you're his ambassador yep. there, but also to just let people almost like tangibly experience and see, um, that listening, caring, compassionate presence yes. is like a little taste of how, um, much God loves them. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And mm-hmm. that's really, that's really cool. Yeah. And so it's really great. And this is a slow time of the year, just mm. with a lot of the people that come are older people Um, but now they're moving to Arizona for the winter and a lot of people that come are college students that want to work on their homework and it's, um, Christmas break. And so I get to have longer conversations with the people who are still there and really just get to know them on a way deeper level than I ever thought when I first started. And it has been just the best. Yep. So wonderful. Thanks for sharing all of that. It's, uh, I want to just encourage all of you listening you could be in all kinds of different contexts. You've got your workplace, uh, neighborhood, even just spending time in the various uh, businesses or, or environments where you interact with people within the community. You are an ambassador for Christ. You bring the representative presence and the delegated authority of the king of the universe with you. <laughs> and so all those opportunities where you're having conversations, interacting with people, um, you are a witness um, in word and deed to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the truth of the gospel. And so even just those little acts of compassion of listening to someone is a way of doing that. Mm -hmm. So just want to encourage you to, to embrace that. And then, uh, you know, when you see those stories of how God's working through that, come and share them because we'd love to hear and celebrate as a church community, what God's doing through you. Well, thanks for being with us, Kaya. No problem. Thanks for having me. That'll wrap up episode seven of Deepening Roots and Growing Branches here at New Life Evangelical Free Church. Our guest today has been Kaya Anderson. Say La Vie is the Christian coffee shop she works at in River Falls, Wisconsin. We look forward to uh, letting you hear us again uh, on episode eight. So keep on listening to Roots and Branches here in 2023. And thank you for being uh, a part of the kingdom of God and, and seeking him for his purposes for our lives.